Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give you all the inside scoop on uh, what's going on in the life of our church. And I'm excited to have uh, a longtime staff but first time guest on our podcast, uh, Samantha Kenny. Sammy, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. You're nervous about the accent, aren't you? Oh, I just think nobody will understand me. I'm going to have to try and speak going to understand you. We're going to have a lot of fun with you, and this is going to be a great conversation. Hey, uh, a lot of us across our locations don't know you, so give us a little bit of background just on your personal life and family and that that kind of stuff so we can know you a bit better. Yeah, for sure. Um, So uh, I am married to John. John is a very patient, lovely man. (laughs) We have four children. So we have three older ones. So Heather's 28, Chris is 24, uh, Faraday is 19. And then we were very blessed to have our little guy, a big guy, but he is six. So we have little James who is um, adopted. So he's a true Canadian. The rest of us are Irish. So we moved here from Ireland back in 2006 and just love Canada. Love, love, love Canada. Love the people. Miss home sometimes, but are very blessed and happy to, to live here. So, uh, 2006, you moved to Canada. How long before you were hanging around Southridge? Oh, very quickly. Yeah. So I, I worked uh, in the church in Ireland for some time and um, I grew up in the Catholic part of Ireland, so you don't really change churches in Ireland. So when we came here, I started to go uh, to a local Catholic church here, but I'd already had stirrings to find somewhere different. So I think we'd only been here like six months and uh, we, because we live so close, we came to Southridge and uh, yeah, you were actually speaking. So uh, we tried somewhere else and then came back. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we, we it was very quick. As we were going to say within the first six months, we found Southridge and, and very quickly felt like it was home. So it was good. Yeah, plugged yeah. in like there was no tomorrow. And uh, from there, talk about just a little bit of your journey uh, getting involved in the ministry of the church and then ultimately on staff. How did that happen? Yeah, so I uh, started as a volunteer in the kitchen um, just to help him with some food prep. And it had only been a, a few weeks and the current cook there, her name was Trish, was leaving. So Tim Arnold um, just asked me one day if I'd be interested in taking that position on and uh, as a part-time role. And so that's how I got started. I started part-time and ended up full-time in that position and did that for around close to three years. And and then I took a break and that's when we ended up adopting our little guy, James. Um, and then when James was around six months old, um, Tim Arnold again called me and asked if I would come back to uh, yeah just help out uh, coaching for eight hours a week. And that's, I think that's close to six years ago. And so I'm still here helping out coaching. So yeah. You did a double stint. You're one of those Chris Fowler uh, yeah. first stint, second stint people. And we got a few of them now, which is pretty cool. Uh, you are the currently interim director of our shelter ministry. So what does that mean? Give us a bit of the kind of daily picture of your job today. And then we'll dig into this conversation. Yes, yeah, so um, the lovely Miss Annie Froze, um, who I miss desperately, is currently on maternity leave with her, her lovely little guy, Bennett. And so I am covering her position. So I basically oversee um, all the floor uh, staff and to make sure the floor of the shelter runs well. I oversee um, the coaching and housing first supervisor and, and that department. And uh yeah, so it's busy and varied. I like I schmooze and mingle at the region, and uh, I get some interaction with residents, some interaction with volunteers, and some with staff. So it's it's pretty good because I like people and I get to mix with a lot of people. That's so. great. That's great. Um, playing this role on Annie's behalf, this is actually the second mat leave that you've covered. So you've done this before. Yeah. 
um, <laughs> but you're you're in this interim director role right now, and you you mentioned a few things there. You talked about the floor versus coaching versus housing first and things like that. Can you just for all of our listeners describe for us everything that we currently do in our ministry to the homeless out of our St. Catherine site for Niagara? Yeah, what, what for does, sure. What does yeah. everything kind of entail? Um, so we have 55 hostel beds. So 11 of those are for females and 44 are for males. So at its very basic level, we provide a bed for somebody to sleep in and we provide three hot meals. So that would be the hostel That's facility. the hostel, H-O-S-T-E-L. Yes. <laughs> Not <laughs> That's I-L-E. <laughs> That's the accent. Yeah. And then, so on top of that, we have the coaches. So the coaches, um, anybody coming in gets assigned a coach, any new resident or any returning resident gets assigned a coach so a coach is basically a system navigator the homelessness services and any of the agency services for mental health and addictions is very complex in Niagara so in order for somebody to successfully get the supports they need they are assigned a coach that is basically a cheerleader for them so we have two coaches um, that work with the residents and former residents to make sure that people are being supported during this day and that they actually leave well supported um, so that's the coaching. Housing First is um, a program that we partner with the region in. And basically that is for a resident who they have to qualify, have a certain criteria. If you are eligible, then you are given a subsidy to top up your rent of 350 a month, which is absolutely necessary in, in this rental income yeah, situation in Niagara at the minute. But the more important thing is they're given a worker, support worker, so that somebody in their own home, the subsidy, but they have somebody to do the coaching alongside with them, even though they're not in the shelter, to help them navigate the system, to make sure that they're well supported. And yeah, so that would be housing first. So right. housing first is like a transitional housing coach. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, right. essentially. Yeah. So just for our reader, or our, our uh, listeners to, to kind of get our heads around this, uh, when you talk about the floor... That's the front desk, that's everything that goes on in the day-to-day operation, as well as the kitchen, the whole kitchen ministry, right? To provide these three meals and the overnight shelter for the residents. Yes. And then we wrap around our residents these supports, first of all, the coaches, the system navigators, and then for those who qualify, the housing first facilitators who essentially are coaches for people to move outside of the shelter into some kind of transitional or or affordable housing. Correct. Yes. And the floor is like, when I say it's three meals and, um, and a bed, like there's much more to the floor than that. There's intakes, there's, um, like, you know, some real deep conversations to help people guide along. So, so the floor staff have a really important role to play in the shelter. Absolutely. And, and your background before, or, or when you're not serving as the interim director with for Annie, um, you actually oversee all of the supports, the coaching and the housing first and, and those kinds of things. Correct. So talk about, because we haven't talked as much in the podcast about those dynamics. We've talked about the shelter ministry proper in the sense of the hostel before. Yeah. But when it comes to the coaching and the supports and things, how critical are those to the homeless community? They're absolutely essential. So I would say... Um, for somebody coming in, like for if if I ended up in a situation where I, I was struggling, I was going to lose my house, the chances of me ending up in the shelter would be very slim. I would have friends, I would have family, I would have lots of support around me to make sure that, number one, I didn't enter the shelter system. And if 
if by chance I did, I would have a circle of support to help me get out of the system. So for a lot of our residents and former residents, they've had such traumatic pasts and and uh, difficult circumstances that those bridges have been burned for various reasons. So to have um, a system navigator, a coach, walk alongside with you to advocate for you, to encourage you, to challenge you, is absolutely essential. It's basically like a family supporting you in in that moving forward, and we all we all need support. So it's it would it just stops the revolving door right. if it's we did almost the the it's almost providing the reason that a person ended up homeless in the first place absolutely they lost is. that support that yeah. circle of support you talk about yes and now we're kind of replacing or substituting a circle of support to help yes. get them out of homelessness yes and then on the housing first helps them remain out of the shelter so it just stops the revolving door and also even on top of the relationship side of things which is huge there's the financial aspect so like i said before it's a very complex system so to i mean some some people struggle with literacy problems and like the form filling and the the figuring out the finances and it's very difficult so to have somebody walk through that with you is is essential in in order for you to be able to move forward so yeah just yeah. to get i mean for our listeners just to get government documents sometimes is yeah. a, a sea of paperwork yeah. that in and of itself is difficult to complete it's, it's uh, for very some difficult. People. And yeah. so even just the practicalities of helps to, you talked a few times, you've used the phrase navigate through the system. Yeah. Right. Um, am I correct to say there are 28 is the number 28 different service providers that wrap around a homeless person or the homeless community right now? Yeah, I th- I'm not exact on the numbers, but there's a lot. Some, <laughs> there's like an that, awful yeah. lot. That, uh, you know, if you find yourself in that place, you don't know where to turn. Yeah. But these experts, these system navigators do. Yes. So I want to get into then kind of current reality, Sammy, where it feels like we've we've done so much. And more importantly, God has achieved so much through our shelter ministry. And yet when I read the newspaper these days, I see homelessness still as a tremendous need. Hmm. So what is kind of the current state of affairs in Niagara regarding homelessness? Just give me the state of the union these days. Yeah, so def- there is definitely more homelessness in Niagara these days. So back in 2015, I think we served uh, 10,500 people. And on average, they stayed around eight days. Um, last year, so in 2018, we served close to 15,000 people. And on average, they stayed 12 days. So I, I feel there's a number of things that have played into that. Number one, in 2016, the house prices went crazy. So landlords started to evict to say they renovate and, and rent increases. Um, I think it's worth explaining, like for a single person on Ontario welfare, they um, get $780 a month is their, fu- is their full check to live for everything. For 30 days. For 30 yeah. days, to all their food, all their housing costs. To rent a room in St. Catharines is 500 a month on average. So just to rent a room, that's not... And by room, we're talking about basement room. apartment room. We're not, You're not talking even in about... just a room. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Shared kitchen, shared bathroom, right. a room. To rent a one-bedroom apartment in St. Catharines, the average rent is 925. Yeah. So when you're getting 780 to provide everything, you could, it's impossible yeah. for you. So with the prices going up, that's increased um, homelessness in Niagara. The other thing I feel is because people in Toronto and um, like Hamilton... It's cheap, we, even though we're expensive here, it's still cheaper than those areas. So we've had a lot of people, like an influx from Toronto, have come down to try and find, A, they say we have better supports here for mental health and addictions, um, but B, it's slightly cheaper. 
so they and our shelter is open 24 7 a lot of shelters in toronto are closed during the day from like eight till four and they have to line up every night their bed's not secured so i feel the rent increase is huge we've got lots of migration yeah, coming disproportionate migration yes it's huge yeah. um and then i feel like because um I just feel it's it's actually more visible homelessness now than we've ever experienced because of the people coming from Toronto that are used to sleeping outdoors more. So when you go downtown, it's just more visible as well because those people have generally come from out of town. So there's just lots of factors uh, at play there. And yeah, the it's finances. important for, for our listeners and our members across our locations to, to appreciate that as, as intensive as our investment is into homelessness already... Uh, it's sort of one of those, the harvest is plentiful, the workers yes. are few. Like yeah. The need is actually growing yeah. more than our capacity as a local church to meet. Yes, absolutely. And as good a work as God is doing through so many of our people, especially out of our St. Catherine's location when it comes to serving the homeless community, the, the, the need in Niagara and especially in St. Catharines is growing. Yes. And it's kind of alarming to watch some of those other factors, yep. the migration, the rent prices and things. Yeah. Uh, just escalating the need. So it's very it, sad. Yeah. It's, it's got us into some conversations. Um, and, and I think one of the things I've appreciated about the discussions that I've been in lately has been we've been capturing some learnings. Right. And I'd want all of our members across our locations to, to appreciate these learnings. One of the one of the learnings that I've really appreciated is this what we call internally the hub model. Yes. Describe for us what the hub model of serving the homeless community involves. Yeah, so when we say hub model, what we're talking about is if you find yourself homeless and you walk into the shelter, that everything you need to successfully transition out of homelessness is in-house. So um, back in the day when we started, we had um, yeah, we had coaches and we were never just three hots and a cot, for sure. We've always been more, way more than that and, and uh, been way more like wraparound support. But we've actually formalised that process over the last number of years to be more of a like an actual formal hub model so when i say that it means that we invite the services in so right now we have kazan so addiction services of niagara they come in weekly to help any of our guys that are uh, dealing with addictions we have niagara regional mental health comes in um, housing help comes in ontario works comes in we have a, a, a medical clinic where volunteer doctors come in and the paramedics come in um, public health, ECAC. So the hub is ideally we would have a big enough building for, for these people to have full-time offices. But right now they just come in um, on a drop-in basis weekly to try and offer that wraparound support. We, over the years, have learned we are not the experts in, in all these services, but we know who the experts are and we invite them to come in and partner with us so that we can actually serve our guys with dignity and professionalism and wrap around his hands and feet of Jesus. So. Yeah, the, the, the hub model has been compelling to me because it, it, it really combines two ideas. One is that we're going to be serving people better together yep. than alone. So all of these other experts, we're going to join forces with and work together to do things together yes. that we couldn't do alone. The second part is something that we've stumbled on early in our shelter ministry, and that was the power of proximity, yeah. of being in proximal contact and relationship to the homeless. Yes. And so rather than it being an excursion to go and access all of these supports, to bring the supports in here locally and have all of these supports working together in proximity, you use the language of wrap around, to literally wrap these supports around yeah. a homeless resident 
uh, has tremendous power, doesn't yeah. it? But well, if, if we can remove as many barriers as possible, that's the goal of the hub model. So like a bus pass is $90 a month. Well, when you're on a very limited budget, $90 is a lot of money. Yeah. And not only that, going into a strange, like a government building without an advocate with you, it can be very daunting and, and intimidating. So if it can be in-house and you can maybe have your coach sit in that meeting with you for the first time, it just is, it's just just way more effective yeah. and, and supportive. The other, I think the other big learning, we tapped into it already, but is just the immensity of the need for multiple housing options, Yeah. right? Emergency shelter on its own does not eradicate homelessness. You no. need other options. Describe that for us. Yeah, so like the hub model is um, is one way to, one, one kind of way we can help um, transition people successfully. The other is some people are not um, going to, some people need a bit, a little bit more support. So we talk about transitional housing. So we've got the hostel for, on average, they can, people can stay up to 30 days. Um, but transitional is on average six to 12 months. So you would, um, if you needed more time to maybe get some um, financial support in place or some, so often people transitioning from ODSP to pensions, it's a real challenge. So that can take some time. Logistical time. Yes. Medical Yes, lots of time. Yeah. time. Yeah. And even just sometimes the um, the emotional support, if somebody's been homeless for, say, two, three, four years, and then we just move them into a unit, the chances of that succeeding are going to be very slim because they need that wraparound relational support and that community to help them right. the succeed. Time to develop habits. Yes. And recover from things, trauma and whatever. Yes. So, yeah. so the six to 12 month would be uh, the transitional housing where you would have a worker be uh, work alongside you and meet with you maybe weekly and or bi-weekly to, to ensure that um, yeah, as the challenges come up, because sometimes these challenges don't come up until you're actually housed, um, then you have got somebody to, to walk alongside you with that. And then on top of that, we have people who like realistically are going to struggle forever to live independently. So we want to look at even long-term supportive housing. So, um, yeah, that you you are perfectly okay to live alone as long as you have somebody checking in weekly or daily or to manage conflict resolutions, to manage financial situations, your taxes. Some people, sad as is, would never be able to manage that yeah. alone. So they yeah. live in long-term supportive housing. Yeah. So, you know, really in the last number of years, in addition to the hostel and the supports that we provide, we've kind of stumbled on the, the power of these two learnings, the hub model comprehensive supports in proximity yep. and the multi tiers of housing required for yes. people to truly service homeless yep. people in all kinds of places in the spectrum. And I would say recently, these two learnings have kind of converged around a, a conversation that's gaining some momentum around here in St. Catharines about a new facility. Yes. Um, describe the thinking behind even exploring a new shelter facility. I know this is this is with an interim director covering yeah. <laughs> a mat leave. If you think we just live the status quo while people are on mat leave, think again. So there's been a lot of dreaming and, and, and uh, prayer and inspiration into this. Talk about what this kind of build, the, 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 the thinking behind it. Yeah, for sure. Well, firstly, I don't I don't give Mrs. Froze that much um, peace. I'm always on the phone to her, so even though she's on maternity leave, she's 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 helping me a lot. Yeah, so she's got skin in this game. She too. she definitely yeah, does, and thankfully. So, um, with the the idea is, um, we have definitely we are at 
breaking point in our current building. So it's very tight for space. So the way we've managed right now to get some of these services in is Michelle Langendon, one of our coaches, is uh, part-time. So her office is like this free-for-all. On Fridays, Julie uses it from Niagara Regional Mental Health. And another day, uh, Carrie-Anne from Kazan uses it. So we we are squeezed into every single square foot. Like the medical clinic, I think, is like six by six. It's the tiniest clinic in the world, but it, it works. It does yeah. what it needs to do at a stretch. So the idea of a new build where we would be able to do long-term case management for people. So we'd have like a, a facility with dignity for the agencies that would be able to come in and serve for longer periods of time, not just a drop-in for a day. Um, that they would be able to uh, be, have a full-time office there so that at any point one of our residents can access that support, not have to wait a full week. Um, and then we've talked about on the next floor that it would be a shelter with dignity where people could even have like single rooms. For people with high anxiety, the dorm situation can be like very traumatic or people with past trauma, even sharing a dorm can be a huge issue. We need somewhere that's got accessibility. Like accessibility is a huge issue in Niagara. People being discharged from the hospital and there is no accessible shelter in, in Niagara. Nowhere is accessible. Yeah, and our shelter, I mean, our primary men's dorm is formerly high school change rooms yes. down a very steep set of stairs. Yes. Like in a, in a basement yep. area, right? Yeah. So it's, this, if, if you've never been through our shelter, th these are not... Uh, easily accessible yeah. features yeah there's definitely some challenges so the idea of having a space where agencies could have like a, a more of a full-time like skin in the game so to speak and then a, a more dignified space as a shelter and even too we've dreamed about having some area for like a rec area where like for our congregation like so many of you guys are involved in in volunteering and the, those relationships and it's so cool. Like we could do so much more if we had a bigger rec space. Like social inclusion and isolation is huge for our population once they move out. So if we've got an inviting space to bring people back into. And then to the, the cool thing is if we could build something that then has a floor of say transitional housing. People are not feeling that pressure to get out before they're fully ready. Um, and we don't want to keep people forever. And trust me, people don't want to stay forever. But for those that need that bit longer, if they had somewhere in-house that they could easily access those supports still. And then the last, the, the upper floor, we've talked about having long-term supportive housing for some of our friends that just are going to need to be around us for, for the long term. Like I feel like having a dignified place it would actually help to us. The numbers of homelessness are increasing. We need to look at a way to actually decrease that and this transitional housing and the supportive housing and the long-term case management of being in one building. Those things are going to go towards reducing the number of homelessness in Niagara. Yeah, so for anyone who has caught wind of you know ideas or dreams for a, a revolutionized shelter build uh, around our church and especially our St. Catherine's location. It, it really is the brainchild of these two learnings, yeah. the power of the hub model and trying to give these partners, these service providers full time, permanent yeah. accessibility to residents in a one-stop shop wraparound yes. that is proximal to them yes. and easy for them to, to access on top of the multi-tiered uses or, or, uh, options for housing not yeah. just emergency shelter but even like you talked about single rooms if i yeah. have anxiety or accessibility yeah. issues or uh you know 
uh, transitional housing, yeah. long-term supportive housing, all these other options. It's 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 nothing more complicated. It's pretty compelling for sure, but yeah. it's nothing more complicated than the convergence of these two ideas. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So if if we've been serving homeless people for you know a decade and a half now, we've been learning some of these things, seeing these ideas, these learnings kind of converge into this idea of a build. Basically, Sammy, what what's stopping us from doing this right now? Well, <laughs> without stating the obvious, obviously it's not going to come for free. So money, money is is always part of the conversation. Um, but I believe our God is a big God, and He can, if this is what He wants us to do, then He's going to open those doors, and we we can uh, just move towards it and with faith and and prayerfully ask Him to provide. So one of the things we've started with um, right now is. Um, stage one is I've got a, a number, a list of names for people who um, would be uh, just to, to generate ideas. So it's okay me and Annie sitting and saying this is what's needed from our experience. But I've got people from uh, from Kazan and from the region to say like in your experience what is needed because we want it to actually be successful. We don't want it to be just about us at Southridge being amazing. We want it to actually impact and reduce homelessness. So to generate those ideas, we've got a number of names around the table. Um, and so uh, some people have, have had an email, some people will be getting one in the next couple of days to invite them to that also at the same time we have a uh, some a brock researcher doing some gathering some data because we actually need some data i should say that d-a-t-a because i know that's always a tricky word with my accent <laughs> so gathering some data on um what's actually needed what's a proven um, model. So she's looking at models all over the world. Yeah. What's a proven model to reduce homelessness? So once we've got the right people, we've got this list of names, we've got the right people to generate ideas, we've got the data to 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 back that up. The next thing is we're going to apply for, it's called seed funding. It's a grant um, to try and uh, if we qualify, which hopefully we do, then um, that will give us the funds to get some sketches drawn up. And so like the preliminary things that need to be in place to, yeah, to get this. Concept drawings. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, when people ask me, you know, so what's going on? You talk about this and yeah. you know, we need this and to raise the stakes on dignity for the residents that we serve. Uh, you know, what's stopping us from doing this right now? A lot of people as in the investigations that I've been a part of, a lot of people will say your first step is a sketch. Yeah. And it's amazing how much research you want to put into a sketch, but at the same yeah. time, how conceptual a, a, a sketch is. And yes. so, you know, for our members wondering, that's really the step right yeah. now is trying to that's pull together uh, the kind of voices that will help us create a concept drawing. Because once you have the sketch, then you get into all kinds of meetings and applications and you know requests for funding and things like yep. that uh, to try to see outside of our own community uh, what kind of funding uh, yep. sources God would be able to provide. Yeah. So I've I've already I'm dropping the seed wherever I I go these days. For, so every time I speak to anybody from the region, I'm like, yeah, we'd love to build this. And so I'm always constantly dropping the seed of like, yeah, we're into partnerships. So. Like everybody and anybody, I will mention it to to just see like are they interested? We we we're a big uh, fan of partnerships and and the region and and Southridge have, have partnered very well for the shelter system. So it would be it would be cool to to see that be supported through that. And this you know just so everyone's clear, this is a very real practical investigative process that we yeah. have begun around here. Um, but this isn't the kind of thing that would all of a sudden show up overnight. 
right? No. This is now years <laughs> yes. down the road of actually God realizing a vision like this, if he were to. Yep. So in absence of a new facility that would accommodate hub model and all of these uh, tiers of housing, um, what are some things that we're doing currently to expand our capacity to serve the homeless? Yeah, so like I mentioned the partnerships. So we'll continue to be open to new ideas, new people that want to partner with us um, to to just to help support our residents and we will squeeze people in if it's going to be successful in helping people we will squeeze people into to our building to to make sure um that people are supported the other uh thing is we have expanded so we're very excited to have erica singer our new um volunteer coordinator mission missional engagement these titles I, I get confused easy but yeah so Erica and is partnering with the wonderful Mr Fowler and so they are dreaming up all kinds of new ideas of programs and I think it's easy for us to uh, as a volunteer to come in and think oh I'm not really doing that much but these programs add so much life and support to people like we've even talked and dreamt about a little program where it could be just a couple of laptops set up in the common room where a volunteer can do housing searches can do like help uh, residents write emails to potential landlords or even help text landlords those kinds of things um yeah so there's lots of programs that we're talking about we've got a podcast in a couple of weeks with len jansen okay that we're going to release yeah. to, to basically inspire people to you know, what God has done through the rock climbing program yeah. and to say, hey, could between Fowler and Erica and all of us, especially around our St. Catharines location, could we imagine 25 more yeah. rock climbing level programs yeah. that engage residents, engage our people and spark those unlikely friendships that, that make a difference? Yeah. So even like one example would be um, one of our uh, ladies who attended, she's, she's passed away now, but she attended Ladies Coffee for a while, a good while, really sweet lady. And she um, had some capacity issues and struggled. She got a, a $3,000 credit card bill. She, she'd no, she didn't do it. She didn't spend it. And she was like very overwhelmed. So one of the volunteers from Ladies Coffee, like she went out, she went to the bank with her, she did... And so when I took, Francine is a volunteer, she's an amazing lady. She is, she's like, oh yeah, I just took her to the bank. No, no, like you're actually underestimating what you're doing. This You advocated for yeah. a person. And she was overwhelmed with anxiety at the fact that she'd got a $3,000 bill and she had no idea how to address it. Yeah. So you advocated and you walked alongside. That is huge. Like yeah. that, yeah. So there's lots of those cool stories. There's there's many of them, which is is really great to hear yeah which is ultimately where we wanted to land to invite people into more of this real time instead of just sitting on the sidelines sort of waiting for a potential conversation about uh, yeah. a future build uh obviously we're excited about what god's doing uh yeah. in our ministry to the homelessness in our ministry to the homeless and in the way that he's affecting us in the process any final encouragements to our members across all of our locations when it comes to us serving Niagara, being for Niagara in this way? Yeah, I thought we, because you gave me the questions ahead of time. So I was, I was, this is a tough one because I'm not, I feel, I don't want to sound like Mother Teresa, but to actually prayerfully commit to, to prayerfully considering and praying to God, like what is it you're actually calling me into? Because each one of us are being called into something and we're all gifted differently. But regardless, that there's something that everybody can do. Like, I mean, everybody can do something, even if it's just coming to men's coffee and sitting and having a coffee and talking to somebody that's lonely. So my first step would just really prayerfully consider. Second step, reach out to Fowler or Erica and just say, like, 
what are the options? What can I do? And then third off, I mean, I would say I remember when I first stepped into the shelter, I was like apprehensive of what I was going to find. I had a vision of somebody who was like an elderly man with a big beard and, you know, like this vision of homelessness. And I was intimidated and I'm not very easily intimidated. <laughs> For those of the, you know me, I'm pretty mouthy and, you know, go get it. <laughs> so I was intimidated, but I remember thinking like, I'm not going to let that stop me doing it. And I walked in the door and it was so welcoming and it's been the most welcoming like place I've ever worked from the staff as well. But from the residents, like they are going to just welcome me with open arms. It's not intimidating. It's actually a blast. It's so much fun. Um, and you're just going to learn so much about yourself. And, you know, yeah, you think you're coming to help. You actually are the person that gets the, like the spiritual growth is huge from when you come in and step out of your comfort zone into what God's uniquely called you into. Like it's a blast and it's amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Sammy. And uh, thanks to all of you for joining us again uh, in another edition of Finding Our Way. We will see you next week as we continue to pursue God's best for our community and the ways in which we can be a community for Niagara. See you, everyone.